Well, uh, so excited about Imagine Sunday. Uh, it is my favorite day of the year, hands down. Just a quick question for you. Anybody in the room that was here, were you here the first Imagine Sunday in 2009? Let me see your hand if you were here. A couple of you guys and so many new faces at the church. Um, and so, but this started all the way back in 2009. And what started as this small idea, this like crazy idea to just take up an offering and give it away has grown into something bigger than, than we ever really imagined, which is the way it always seems to happen, right? Like when you, when you go to God and you're like, I don't really have much of a plan and I don't know what to do. God's like, I can do something with that. You know, it's usually when we go to God and say like, I know exactly how I want it to go. God's like, yeah, that's, you can have it your way if you want, you know, but uh, and so we've seen that unfold. And so we're going to talk about that today, give you an opportunity at the end of the service to give again to Imagine. If you are a guest with us today, you showed up on a great day. It's just a lot of exciting things happening at the church. So maybe you were a first-time guest last week and it was like name change. Like, well, I'll go back the next week and kind of, you know, see what it's like on a normal day. Well, now you're here on Imagine Sunday. So just come on back next week. And uh, we're starting a brand new series. I, I, normal is a dangerous word, but it's going to be a little more normal. Uh, but you're going to get to really hear the heart, the DNA behind our church and about generosity. Um, and so it's going to be exciting. But before we get into that, I'm really excited to have two uh, guests with us today. You know, if you've been around here long at all, that I love for you to get a chance to hear from people who have stepped out in faith, trusting God, obeying God, to, to take the gospel, to do faith-filled things, whether that's here in Louisville or whether that's around the world. And I always want you to hear what God's doing around the world because sometimes people talk about missions like, woe is me, like, oh man, you know, children starving and this country, communist country or whatever it is. And yeah, there are needs out there, but listen, God has never not been in control and God is doing incredible things around the world. And, and every now and then he gives us a chance to get a glimpse of that and to get involved in that. And so I love for you to hear that. So we have two guests with us today. One of them is a first time guest for me. She was actually here one week when I wasn't here, but it's Rebecca Mende. Uh, her and her husband are missionaries to uh, Kenya, and, which is exciting. And we are partnering with them. We're gonna figure out some ways to partner with them this year, but she's very close to Joe and I, Drew Vibbert. And uh, Joe's been telling me about her, Rebecca and her husband for a couple years now. And so it just worked out where she was gonna be in town on Imagine Sunday. And I said, Joe, I want her to talk to the people. And, uh, and so will you do me a favor and will you put your hands together and welcome Rebecca Amende, please. Praise the Lord. Amen. When we say praise the Lord in Kenya, it is a big shout of amen. <laughs> amen. So I am so blessed. Thank you so much, Pastor, for giving me this opportunity to come and to just greet you in such a short time and let you know what the Lord is doing. I am so grateful for our brother and sister, Joe and Idrew. They have been to Africa twice. And uh, Joe is, uh, is called a twin brother to my husband, Tom. And they work together. And also my sister, Idrew. You know, they, these people have got your skin, but inside they are Africans. <laughs> they really love us. They worked with us. They sat where we sit. They ate our food. And they found out that really Africa has a people 
that God loves and and died for and so we are thankful my husband is a Kenyan from Kenya and I was born and raised up in Uganda and it was there in 1961 when I was a teenager when I heard the gospel and I gave my life to the Lord and God transformed my life and he called me to the ministry is a long story how God is able to transform lives and you know in Isaiah 60 it says, Arise and shine. And what a great invitation to each one of us that you can rise and shine wherever we are. And so we are involved in several ministries. We have orphans. And the orphans, uh, you know, I was, I was so blessed to come and I saw the name of the church is Hope City Church. And our ministry there in Kenya is called New Hope Outreach Ministries. So we are giving hope to the hopeless. We are giving light to those who are in darkness. Those who dwelt in darkness, they have seen great lights. The way we started the, um, the orphans was amazing because uh, one day our members of the church were coming to church. way in the countryside in western Kenya. And they heard as, as, um, a faint cry, and they stopped and they said, what is this crying like, like a literal um, baby? And when they stopped in the bush, there was a baby. And they picked up the baby, and they uh, took the baby to church, trying to, uh, to make the baby warm and closed him and bought milk quickly and tried to feed him. And then... After that day, in the middle of that day, they went to the chief. In Kenya, we have chiefs. And they said, we picked up this baby. What do we do? So the chief said, you hold on the baby, take care of the baby. In one week, we are going to look for the mother. And they looked everywhere. They couldn't find the mother. So they said, okay, come the second week. No mother to be found. And so they gave the baby to the church. And we gave the name to the baby called Baraka in Swahili, which means blessing. And he saw this boy, um, Joe and, and Idris saw the baby. He's now a big boy in high school. And uh, it's amazing. And so from that time we started now, that is how the orphans the orphanage ministry started in Western Kenya. Now we have over 30 orphans in Kenya. In that part of the country, HIV and AIDS killed so many people. And so many children are orphans. You don't even know where to start trying to help them. And uh, so we, we thank God for that ministry. Also, I'm involved in the ministry of the widow and women. And right now, God miraculously gave us a place in Nairobi. Nairobi is the capital city. And it was a miracle to get that property. Because we are roaming from one place to the other, holding meetings under the trees. Under so one day, God put in our hearts, we said, why don't we get a place? And we said, how do we get the place? We don't have the money, we don't know people. And so that time, we had a present called Arab Moi. Moi had a heart for God. And that time, they were giving plots 
they can give a property to a church. He can assign there where uh, properties which are assigned to the church, but to get it is not a joke. You have to know the present, and how do you know the present doesn't know us? About seeing him in the newspaper and on the TVs. So we got on our knees, and God is a connector. He can connect you to people. He can uh, do things which you can't do. So through prayer, God put a, a man in our heart who is a bishop there in Kenya who knows the president. And so early in the morning, we went to this man's office. To get there, the place was packed with people like this congregation here waiting to see him. This is one of the big bishop men in the, in the, in the city. And so he was in the office. We said, goodness, how do we this, see this man now? And so after waiting for half an hour, we saw him coming out of the office. And he looked around. He said, people, I'm so sorry. I can't see anybody because I have an appointment somewhere. So he turned his head and he saw Tom, my husband, and I. And said, what are you doing here? Come in. And so went in the office, said, what do you want? We said, we want a place for worship. And we know it's in, we, 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 don't, we can't go, we can't see the present. It's only you who can help us. He said, well, if this is of the Lord, he will do it. Tomorrow I'm going there. I'm taking a delegate of women who are making these baskets. And they want to see the present to um to do to support his their project so he said if it is of the lord he will make a way he picked up the phone and said his excellence i have a colleague here who is not on the program on the names that were sent to see you but they want to come he want to come with me he said if he's a man of god bring him <coughs> so in the morning tom my husband was on the delegates going there a make, make a long story short because of the time. Um, we that night we prayed, we put the on the head letter, letterhead what we are asking the president. We want a, a place where we can build the church. God miraculously performed that miracle and gave us favor with that man and gave us the place. <coughs> Now, we are building a center. A center that will be, the, it, is, it is going to be the first one for us we have. In the city of Nairobi, this is a miracle and a favor of God. We have churches and we want to bring them together, a center for training. We have already roofed and uh, by God's grace, now it is windows and doors and, and the floor left. And we are trusting God in August. We are going to have a big conference there. And we are asking you to pray with us that it will be done. And I want to thank you, Pastor. And I want to thank all of you. And I want to thank our valuable, special friends and brother and sister, Joe Webert and the family. God bless you God big. Bless you. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for being here. Come on, incredible. I get, the, I get the feeling if I turned Rebecca loose, we'd have some church in here this morning. She's ready to preach a little bit. 
during the first service, Andrea looked over me. She's like, you need to just let her take your time and preach. It's like, stop, be quiet, stop that. Um, so incredible. And uh, I don't know, I can't, I'm not sure if she said it. I was distracted there for a second. But they, their ministry there is New Hope. And so she felt, she, you know, she said she felt very connected with Hope City Church. But um, pastoring over 30 churches, leading over 30 churches in Africa. It's an incredible thing. I mean, it's an incredible, incredible thing. So we're gonna we're gonna partner with them this year, figure out how to help them get that get that center ready. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. Um, really excited to have a, a friend here with me, Johnny Moore. A lot of you guys know Johnny. Johnny's been connected to our church for a while now, um, and been connected in my life since I was a, a teenager. Um, we go way back, so it's it, it's just incredible to see what God continues to do in his life. And anytime he's back in the states. I force him to come up here and be with us and to hang out with us. My kids love Uncle Johnny, so he's got to come stay at the house and hang out with the kids and, uh, and, and see you guys. So will you do me a favor? Put your hands together. Welcome Johnny Moore. It is good to be back. What was River City, now City Hope. So Hope I've City. been used to the name change, but it's, that's a, uh, I, li- I like the new name, actually. Um, Ms. Rebecca, thank you so much for what you're doing in, in Africa. It's, it's really similar to what we're, we do in, in Southeast Asia. It's, we train people with church planting. Um, I think they have 30 churches. We have eight right now. So one day we're going to get to, to 30. And, uh, it's, but you guys are part of that. And I just want to say thank you so much. So you guys have been on this journey with me. Uh, when I had no idea what I was doing uh, five years ago, and just called up Jason and said, hey, man, this is what God, I feel like God's calling me to, to do. And then he started telling me about the Imagine campaign. And you guys just finished, I think you're, for, you're on your second year. And I was like, I want to I be a part of that. And you guys have faithfully every year been a part of what God's doing in Southeast Asia. And this past year has just been a, a, a year of just we're, we're believing we're going to get our own center one day so we can train church planners and send people out. But there's just been needs that have kind of popped up like with, you know, with things that have just kind of happened with the child sponsorship programs and things like that, that we weren't, we weren't getting into that, but there was just this overwhelming need, you know, where we, last year we sent 70 kids to school, um, to sponsor kids to go to school. And it was, you know, we were finding that there's this overwhelming need for education and in these poverty stricken areas, kids can't go to school because they can't afford school uniforms. So I asked Pastor Robin, our, our, our leader there in church planners, like, well, how much does it cost to send a kid to school? And he's like, oh, Johnny, so expensive. So how much? He was like, well, it's about $50 to send a kid to school. I was like, a month? He said, no, 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 for a year because these kids can't afford their school uniforms. I said, well, how many churches? At the time, we had seven churches. I was like, all right, let's get 10 of the poorest families. We were able to sponsor 70 kids to go to school and otherwise would, would not have been able to, you know, they'd be working with their dads in the rice mills or in the fields, but now education is opportunity. So we were able, so this year we're believing, you know, we're going to sponsor hundred kids and, uh, you know, God's going to provide, but let me, let me say one thing that you guys have been involved with. We started a, a children's home just out of necessity, uh, about, it's been about four years now. And just to kind of see the story of, of what God's done and the kids, and we only have, it's not a huge home. We have 12 kids, but these are kids that have been abandoned or some have been left on the church doorstep. But one kid, uh, his name's Jeremy. And Jeremy, when he was, 
he was just dropped off at this little roadside stand. Uh, we have these like little tiny convenience stores that are made of like bamboo huts and just people sell just dry goods there and, and just, you know, mom and dads were just kind of, that's, that's their livelihood and they'll, they'll make, you know, three to five dollars a day just selling potato chips or whatever the case may be. But a woman just dropped this child off at a roadside stand and somebody from, from the church happened to stop by. I believe it's by providence. It wasn't by coincidence. And, and they saw this baby and they said, whose is this? And we said, we don't, we don't know. They just, mom just dropped him off and hasn't come back and said, find somebody for it. So we have, we, we actually, I think I have a picture. This is, this is my buddy, Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy, Jeremy is now almost five years old. Uh, but when he was dropped off, the woman from the church just brought him and said, how can we take care of him? So the church has started, we started taking kids in. But Jeremy is now almost five years old, but he wasn't supposed to live to his first birthday because the medical system won't take care of the kids. There's no, there's no welfare system in Myanmar. So the church is the system. So Jeremy, he's, he's, he's HIV positive and he had, he had tuberculosis and was basically gasping for air when, when he was left. But he's been cured of, of his tuberculosis. And he's, able, he's been getting medicine and, and medicine they would not able to get if he wasn't with us. And he's, the doctors are just surprised at how healthy he is from the condition he is. But it's, you guys are part of, of Jeremy's story, providing hope. And that's, we believe that's, that's our mission as the church is we provide hope to the hopeless. And we give hope through Jesus Christ. And you guys are, you know, I love Hope City because, you know, that's where we, we believe is our mission in Myanmar and Yangon, the capital, where it is a hopeless, godless city. We, we, we believe we're providing hope in this area. I just want to say, guys, thank you so much. You're part of this story just as much as I am because if you guys didn't help with what we're doing, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. So thank you so much for being light and for being hope. In a, in a dark, dark place and being a part of these guys' story. I wish Jeremy could be here and say thanks himself um, because he's a miracle and you guys are a part of that miracle. So thank you guys. Come back, visit me at the booth. Uh, I want to get your email address and, you know, just hang out, talk, whatever. God bless you guys. Can we just, um, before we move on with the service, would you just, can we pray right now for Johnny and for Rebecca and and what God is doing through them and the ministries in Asia and in Africa. Can we pray right now? Come on, let's pray. God, thank you so much for putting it on the heart of Rebecca and Johnny and their families to, to go and, and to obey you. Wherever that was leading, God, they weren't sure all the steps, but they took the first step. And God, I thank you that they were willing to do that. They were able to go places we haven't gone and, and do things we haven't done. And God, I just pray that 2016 would be the most fruitful a successful, blessed year of their ministry that they have ever had, God, they've ever had. And God, I pray that, that the center that Rebecca's trying to build, God, the resources would become available, God. I pray for the home and the, and the school children Johnny's working on and, and the church property they're trying to get. God, all these things are in your control and your plan, your providence, God. We love you. We thank you. And we're believing for big things in their ministries and their lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, one more time. Can we say thank you? Well, um, I just, I love this day. 
I love this day for so many reasons because, but the biggest is because we get to brag on God and we get to brag on you. Um, you are, without a doubt, the most generous group of people I have ever known. I've ever known. Uh, it's crazy, really, how generous you are. And so today we're going to talk about generosity. If you are a guest with us today, I'm excited that you're here. Um, and just know that today is not about somehow getting money from you. You just get to sit back and listen and, and hear what we're talking about. If you feel God kind of nudging you to do that, then by all means, join in with us. But this is really for those of us who say, hey, this is my church home, and, and I'm ready to get involved in what's going on here. And so I just love to get a chance to talk about generosity because it's, it's not something that we have to convince you to do. It's something that you guys get so excited about and jump in on. In 2009... 2008, we became the pastors of the church, and uh, early on in the process, we began to look at the finances of the church and kind of do some accounting and figure out what, you know, where we were with all that. And what we found is that the church was spending 99% of everything that came in on itself. Not bad things, not evil things, just normal maintaining things like your home, you know, light bulbs and and microphones and, and salaries and all the things that you need to do in order to, to maintain the church. But we just felt convicted because, you know, we're up here preaching generosity, but yet as an organization, as a church, we were not modeling that. And so we knew we needed to do something. We knew that, that, that God had put it on our heart to do something, but we didn't know what that he, had, he was calling us to do, challenging us to do. And so you know, that's an interesting place to always be when you feel like that God wants you to do something, but you don't know what it is yet. So you just kind of, kind of pray and wait. And, and so in 2000 and, and at the end of 2008, my dad calls me and says, I'm going on a trip to Argentina. Would you like to go? And that's not an uncommon call to get from my dad, as strange as it may sound, because since I was 12 years old, my dad has been taking me on missions trips every year of my life. And um, he says, like, hey, I got to go with a friend of mine, Terrell, down to Argentina, we're going to see some stuff down there. I thought you may want to go. I said, hey, I'm in. Who doesn't want to go to Argentina? So uh, get on a plane, fly down to Buenos Aires, and not even really sure why I'm going or what God's wanting to do down there, but just saying like, hey, let's see, God, what, what's going on. And so we, we spent a couple of days there. It's a great trip, had a great time, but didn't still really feel like I knew what God was trying to do, what God was trying to say. And on the last day of the trip, Got a chance to go to an orphanage run by Senora Santa Cruz and standing on that property just really knew in that moment, however means I knew, I just knew in that moment that, that God was calling us, that this was going to be our first project, that God was calling us to partner with Santa Cruz and, and to figure out how to, how to help her and what she's doing. And so 12-hour flight back through the night, back home and on that plane, doing some praying, doing some writing in my journal. And I really felt like God said to me, spoke to me, put an impression on me, however you want to say it, these words, imagine a church that isn't selfish. Now, I, I don't say that like other churches are selfish and we're not. We've actually changed that language now to imagine a church that is truly generous. But just really feeling on that plane that night, like imagine God saying, imagine what I could do through a church that was truly generous, that cared as much about others as they did themselves and that maybe gave away as much as they kept for themselves. And, and, 
And I knew that, that now we had a project. And so we came back to you guys in February of 2009. I stood up here on this stage. There was 118 adults in the room that day. And stood up here and said, here's a crazy idea. Um, let's take up a $20,000 offering and we're just going to give it all away. And I would love to tell you that I stood up here like filled with faith. Like, yeah, we are. We're going to take up $20,000 because God can do it, you know? And it's like, I thought there's no way that we would do it. Like, that's terrible to say, but I'm like, there's 118 adults. I did the math. Like, that ain't going to work, you know? And that day, you guys, not well, most, not many of you, but that day, uh, the offering was $22,000. Yeah, nuts. Now, here's what's even crazier, okay? So we took up a $22,000 offering in 2009. By the end of 2009, as a church, we gave away $50,700. So I want you to wrap that around in your brain a little bit. The offering was $22,000, but between February to the end of the year, we ended up giving away $50,700. As a church total that year, we only brought in like $320,000. But anyway, point being like, mind blown here. Uh, wow, okay. We have obviously hit a nerve. Obviously, God is, is doing something. And so we took our first missions trip in the like 90-year history of the church, which was crazy, and uh, took a group of guys down to Argentina. We helped plant some churches that are now eight or nine years old. We did our Bless Back project to help families get ready to go back to school, couldn't afford supplies. 2009 was like, step, just stand back and see what God can do when you're crazy enough to believe what he tells you to do, when you're crazy enough to step out and try it. And so we didn't really know what step two, step three, step four was. That was just the plan, like stand up and say, here's what we want to do. And it became not just something that we do, it became who we are. Generosity became who we are. And so now uh, this is our seventh Imagine Sunday. And over the last uh, almost eight years, uh, at the end of this year, let's say it that way, because that'd be eight years, we will have given away over $400,000 as a church. 400, yeah, that's a great place to clap. Yeah, $400,000. And God's really put it on my heart and our heart as a church to give away, step one, a million dollars as a church. And then ultimately give away $10 million as a church. And those are big, hairy, audacious dreams and goals. Um, but so was $20,000. And driving or flying back on that plane that night, $400,000 never crossed my mind. A million never crossed my mind. $10 million never crossed my mind. I was like, who's going to give us $20,000? Like, how does that even work? And, and, and we've just seen God do... Um, something absolutely insane and remarkable through uh, your, your generosity. So um, thank you for that. Some of you have been along that journey with us the whole time. And what I want to do for the rest of the time we have today is I just want to talk a little bit about generosity and, and the heart of it and, and the power of it a little bit. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 14, if you want to flip over there. Matthew chapter 14. Really famous story. We actually have taught on this story a lot because I think it's a story with a principle that, that we can't be taught enough, a principle that we constantly have to be reminded of because we live in a society, we live in a world that is 
constantly telling us, if you have more, you'll be happier. If you have more stuff, if you have more money, if you have more money in our savings account, if you have a bigger house, if you have a nicer car, then you're going to be happier. And what we find in the Bible is not that God doesn't want us to have stuff, but what we find in the Bible is that the more we decide that it all is God's and that we give to him and we're generous to him, what we find is that our life becomes better the more that we give, not the more that we, not the more that we get. And so Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, if you have a Bible, follow along, take some notes. It's going to be some good notes today. Write this down. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. Here's what it says. It says, as soon as Jesus heard the news, his friend had just died. That was the news. He left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard he was headed and followed him on foot from many towns. We said this last week. It's not the point of the message, but let me just say this. Jesus loved crowds. Crowds always showed up around Jesus. We will have crowds here. Our goal is not to be a small church. If you love this church because it's a small church, enjoy it. It will not last. When you start preaching the gospel, when you start sharing the transforming hope of Jesus, crowds show up. Okay? So this is as small as it's ever going to be. All right? Because you know people and I know people that need the transforming hope of Jesus. So when Jesus shows up, crowds show up. All right? So what, the goal is not to, it's not, you know, us four and no more. This isn't Hope City Church Country Club. Okay? This is Hope City Church. And, and God has big plans. Okay, let's keep going. Um, so Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them. Hear this. God's heart is always compassion. God's heart is always compassion. He didn't look at the crowd and say, why aren't they working a job? He didn't look at the crowd and say, why do they always have their hand out? Why do they always need me to do stuff for them? That's not what he said. He looked at them, and he had compassion on them which I just think should be how we're known as well. But that's not the point of the message. Let's keep going. We'll get to the point in a second. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to villages and buy food for themselves. So the disciples see a need. They know that something needs to be done. They see a need. But Jesus said, it isn't necessary to send them away. You feed them. In another translation or another version of the story, Jesus said to the disciples, what do you have? What do you have? How can we, how can we meet this? Which is a powerful question. What do you have? I know, that, I know that you need to have more. I know that more needs to be done. But currently, right at this moment, what do you have? What can you put together? How much time can you give? How much uh, money can you put together? Like, what can you do? What do you have? And they said, but we only have. Everybody say only. only. We only have five loaves of bread and two fish. We only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they, they answered. First point is this, write this down. Number one, on your own, you cannot meet the need. On your own, you cannot meet the need. The need is too great for you to solve on your own. Whatever the need is, all right? Whatever the need is, whether it's building a big enough orphanage for all the orphans in Asia, or whether it's finding enough church buildings for all the Christians in Africa, like you cannot meet that need on your own. I, I can't, I don't think that there's, let me say it this way. If you're able in your own ability and own power to do what God's calling you to do, you're not dreaming big enough, praying big enough. You're probably not hearing God. You're probably rounding down and playing it safe. Because when you read through the Bible, you'll, you find God saying, here's my plan. Here's my calling. Here's what I want you to do. And everybody who God calls goes, they looks at what they have and they go, I can't do that. 
I can't speak well enough. I'm not from the right family. I don't have the right talent. I don't have enough money. You don't have what it takes on your own to do what God is calling you to do. I'm not trying to depress you. I'm going to encourage you in just a second. So stop trying to like get a pen and paper out and add it all up to where you can obey God without having to trust God. If you want to obey God, you got to trust God and have faith that it doesn't all add up and I don't really have everything that I need, but if this is what he tells me to do, he will work it out. He will work it out, okay? So there's a need. You don't have enough resources, but we give God what we have. Jesus blesses what we give and the need is met. They only had five pieces of bread and two fish. They had two Moby Dick sandwiches, okay? 5,000 people need to get fed. Never works out. But when we, get, when we give what we have, Jesus blesses what we give, and he meets the need. You don't meet the need. He meets the need. He blesses what we give. All right, keep reading. So they said, we only have five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, bring them here. Bring them to me. Everybody say bring. bring. Powerful word. Powerful word, bring. Exodus 36, there's a story about Moses and, um, and Israel. And they're building this, uh, uh, this building, this, this kind of temporary temple for God that he told them to to give. And uh, an incredible story in Exodus 36, this is what it says starting in verse 1. It says, the Lord has gifted, and these two names are crazy, but it's like Bezalel and Aholiab, okay? But I don't want to have to keep messing that up, so we're going to call them Barry and Omar today, okay? So the Lord... Verse chapter 36, verse 1, it says, The Lord has gifted Mary and Omar and the other skilled craftsmen with wisdom and ability to perform any task involved in building the sanctuary. Let them construct and furnish the tabernacle. Here's a little point that's not the point. Like, you can provide the resources for people who have the skill, the heart, and the courage to do something that you maybe can't do. God doesn't call everybody to do the same thing. But maybe you are the resource, okay? So it says, Barry and Omar, they can, uh, they, can, they can do whatever needs to be done. So Moses summoned Barry and Omar and all the others who were specially gifted by the Lord and who were eager to get to work. Moses gave them the materials donated by the people of Israel as sacred offerings for the completion of the sanctuary. But the people continued to bring additional gifts each morning. Finally, Barry and Omar, who were working on the sanctuary, left their work. They came to Moses and reported, the people have given more than enough materials to complete the job the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gets up in front of the people and says something that no pastor has ever said ever. Moses gets up and says this message, men and women, don't bring any more gifts. We have enough. Don't bring any more. We have Enough. So the people stopped bringing their sacred offerings. Their contributions were more than enough to complete the whole project. Can you imagine me being able to stand up here and be like, listen, the bank is getting suspicious because there's too much money in the bank. Don't give anymore. No more tithes. We're not even going to take it. Don't even try to give it. We're going to rip it up. We have too many resources. We got too many volunteers. I'm sorry if you want to volunteer today. You can't. I apologize. We will not take you. I'm, we may need to try that sometime. Be like, I want to, you know, like, I don't know, maybe that would work. But Moses stands up and says, we don't give anymore. 
There's something powerful about a group of people who decide that they want to bring what they have to God. They want to bring what they have to God. Hey, listen, maybe I don't have the talent Barry and Omar have, okay? Maybe I don't have the courage Johnny has. Maybe I don't have the passion Rebecca has. But you know what? I can bring what I have. And if a group of people ever got passionate enough and really ever caught the vision and the dream of what God wanted to do in a community and around the world and just kept bringing what they had, at some point, somebody would have to stand up and say, you got to stop. We can't, we don't, can't take any more. We, we don't have any more room. We don't, we, you got to stop. You got to stop giving. It's crazy, but that's what can happen. And so Jesus, they, they say, we only got five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, bring it, bring it to me, he said. And he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up to heaven, and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the red to the disciples who distributed it to the people, and they all ate as much as they wanted. Second point is this. Ready? Write it down. Number two, if you will give God what you have, he will always do more than you expect. If you will give God what you have, he will always do more than you expect. Some of you in the room today, I love you. I, I so desperately want to like, like push you into the deep end of faith because you keep standing on the edge and you desperately want to trust God in generosity through the area of generosity, but you just can't make it all add up on paper. And here's what I want you to know. When you give God what you have, he always does more than you expect. Every single time. He's done it in this church. I didn't realize this till last night, but Johnny and I were talking, we were watching basketball and we were just talking about the Imagine campaign. And, and as we were talking, I started doing math in my head. I pulled up on my computer the spreadsheet for our church's budget. And I didn't even realize we had got to this place. But did you know that now as a church, as a church that we were at 99%, now we're at 78%, that we're giving 22% of everything that comes into the church away now as a church? I'm flying back from Argentina nine, eight years ago. We were just trying to figure out how to come up with $20,000. But when you bring God what you have, he always does more than you expect. I could pass the mic around today and you could tell story after story after story. I, I gave this or I did this or I served in this way and I thought it was gonna go like this, but God did so much more. The disciples probably thought, hey, when we bring this fish and bread to Jesus, he's going to put together just like a, a, a quick little slider for everybody. And, it, you know, they won't be full, but at least they'll get a little something, you know. And Jesus is like, sit the, sit the people down in groups. We just go sit the people down. And he blessed what they brought him. You know, Jesus, did you ever, Jesus could have been like, let there be fish and bread. He could have done that. But he took what they brought and he blessed it. And, and, and then he did more than they expected. And so everybody ate until they were full. Listen, I've eaten with some of you guys. It takes a while to get you full. And, and, and it says that Jesus just, there was just enough food. It was all you can eat. And, and, and they ate until they, until they were full. Let's keep reading. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. Third point's this. Write this down. What's left over is always more than what you could have held on to. What's left over is always more than what you could have held on to. If the disciples would have been selfish, they could have split between 12 of them five pieces of bread and two fish. 
They gave it to God. He blessed it. He used it. And every disciple got a whole basket full. Because what's left over after you bring what you have to God is always more than what you could have held on to. And I know where some of you are living right now, you say, Jason, that just doesn't make any sense. There's just no wiggle room. There's just nothing I can do. I don't, like, it's because you think that when you give, you lose it. What you don't realize is that when you give, God blesses it and gives you back more than you could have ever held on to. And I'm not talking about for us through tithes or I'm not talking about giving to this church or you you work through that as you want. I think it's the right step to take. I'm just talking about today the idea that you could say, I want to give what I have and bring what I have to help people around the world. Not Not even us, just help people around the world. Orphans, widows, families in our community want to help in that way. Because what's left over after God gets done using it is always more than what you could have held on to. Every single time. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. You think if you could just desperately hold on to it, that you won't run out and you'll have what you need. And I'm not talking about not being responsible or having a budget. That's not what I'm saying. You know, you know that. I'm saying when you say, God, here's what I have. Take what you need. Take what you want me to give you. You, you grow and are blessed much more than if you just would have hold, held on to it. And we've seen that happen as a church. It's taken us, it's taken us eight years to get to 400,000. I believe with all in my heart we'll get to a million in the next three. I really do. I, can't, I don't have any math to back that up. Greg's probably choking back there. But, like, I just really... There's just something inside that just makes me think that God exponentially blesses and speeds things up. And so, and so I, you know, I'm not going to put a timetable on the 10 million, but point being like, it it just grows. The snowball grows, the generosity, the generosity grows. And we had no idea what God had planned. We had no idea. And listen, I'm not trying to hype this up. You ask Johnny. Like, Johnny can tell you. Like, what you guys do, this, this little church, 7515 Third Street Road, what God is doing through your generosity, like, you are famous with other pastors and other churches five times our size. And they'll call me up and they'll say, like, what's the secret? What do you do? Like, what video did you show? Like, how many starving kids did you put up on the screen? And, like, what, what's, the, what's the campaign? Like, did you do, like, four-year pledges? Like, what's the deal? And I'm just, I'm like, I, we just, um, just told the people what the opportunity was? I, I don't know. I'm not trying to downplay it. Like, there is no secret. It's just a group of people who have said, you know what? We're going to be generous. We're going to be generous. We're going to give. There's no secret. And I don't even get the credit for it. You get the credit for it. And so we've just said to God, like, God, we don't have much, but here's what we do have. We don't have much, but here's what we do have. Some of you guys say, God, here's $20 a week. You can have that. I don't know what you can do with that, God, but here's $20 a week. Some of you say, like, hey, here's $1,000 this year. It's not much, but, you know, see what you can do with that, God. Hey, God, this is all I've got. I got a couple pieces of bread. I got two pieces of fish. And God says, just bring it to me. Bring it to me and watch and see what I do. And we have watched this happen year after year after year after year, and we're going to continue to do it again. 
We've decided this year as a church, we're gonna continue our partnership with Autumn Lake Church. For the last three years, we've helped them. We've given over $35,000 to Autumn Lake Church here in our community, to another church here in our community. We've given $35,000 to help them continue to reach the people that they're reaching in the Autumn Lake area. We're gonna do that again. We've recommitted to them. We've partnered with a new church, Lake Hills Church, with Mickey and Tennille Johnson. They're actually gonna speak for us this year. You're gonna love them. Um, but they just moved to Florida. They left Cincinnati, Ohio, just moved to Florida and are past, and planting and starting a new church, Lake Hills Church. Um, we are um, continuing our partnership with a few of our other churches that we've started, continuing our partnership with Casa Shalom Orphanage. We, we send uh, $350 a month down to Casa Shalom Orphanage to sponsor the needs and the materials of everything that's happening down there. That's not counting like the thousands of dollars we send down there to build the buildings that we're doing. Plus so many of you sponsor orphans individually. I don't know if this is true anymore, but at one time, Josh and Jessica who led, who lead the orphanage down there said that this church was the largest single sponsoring church of any church in the country. Sponsored more kids, which is incredible. So we're continuing with Casa Shalom and, and partnering together down there. Just this last month as a church, we bought $2,000 worth of tools to send down to their trade shop that they built on the property to help the kids learn a craft so they get a job and they graduate high school. So Josh sent me a Facebook message and just said, hey, I know you guys have been giving. Here's what we built, you know. And I said, hey, what's left? And he said, well, we need tools. And some of you guys saw on Facebook, we put up this campaign. And I said, well, when, when, five, when the five days are up and you let me know what didn't get bought. And so in five days, he's like, hey, you know, none of the big stuff got bought, shocker. And, uh, and I was like, what, you know, what do you need? He's like, well, we need that $1,000 table saw. And, we need, and I said, buy it, let's do it. And, and that's because you gave to Imagine. So we're, we love what God's doing in Casa um, Shalom. We're gonna be figuring out how we can help Rebecca and her husband in Kenya. We're continuing our partnership with Johnny. We've really put an emphasis on local opportunities. We did that last year. We're doing that again this year. We didn't just pack 21,276 meals yesterday. We also gave $2,500 to Love the Hunger to help those meals get to where they need to go. We're continuing our partnership with South Louisville Ministries. We're, 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 we're for the first time, uh, still working this out, but we're partnering with a school in Jerusalem. This is our first time partnering up with someone in Israel, which we're excited about. And, and so there's a, there's a K through, through 12 school there in uh, Jerusalem that takes in Arab kids that live there in the community, but are kind of outcasts. And, and we always, we don't ever want to just send money to a, a faceless organization. We want there to be a connection. And um, I love what Rebecca said, God is a connector. God is a connector. And so the week between, and so I've been praying, God, I want to do something with Israel. I want to do something with Israel, but never had a connection. And the week between Christmas and New Year's, I was preaching for my brother. And I'm walking through the front hallway of his church, and I bump into this guy that I knew like 10 years ago. And now he's teaching at this school in Jerusalem. I said, tell me about it. And, he's and I said, now, is that like a nonprofit organization? You have to like raise money? He's like, yeah, you know, we're struggling to raise money. I was like, give me your information. And so like God just knows how to do and bring us to where he needs to bring us to. And so we're continuing all these things that we're doing, continuing to give and just, and just give, give the money away. Everything that you give today will be given away. Everything that you give today will go to imagine, to just continue to imagine, to dare to dream, to believe that God could, could use a generous church in ways bigger than we expect. So in your chair when you came in, there was this beautiful bright pink card 
Saw that when I came in today. Went with pink, which is beautiful. Um, it's the same card we give, give you every year. No gimmicks, no ploys, no guilt. If you want to be a part of what we're doing through Imagine, fill out this card. Some of you came prepared to give. Some of you have already given. That's been one of the most incredible parts of Imagine. Is Used to it would all come in on Imagine Sunday. Now you guys just give year-round, which is incredible. Um, so here's a card. $20 a week, $30 a week, $40 a week, $50 a week. These are 12-week pledges. Don't be limited by that. If God's put something else on your heart, write down that amount, total pledge amount, fill out that information at the bottom. And you got 12 weeks to get this in. And the national average for pledges, a lot of pastors don't like taking pledges because between 30 and 50% of the money actually comes in. Just another testament to how incredible you guys are. Over 90% of all our pledges come in every year, which is incredible because that's how awesome you are. So fill this out. You don't have to give weekly. You can just write a check, like a one-time check, whatever you want to do there. But I'm never going to tell you what to give. I want you to ask God what you should give. And we'll just keep you updated throughout the year. You can always, we'll always be telling you about how the money's being used and what it's being used for. And we're going to continue as a church to try to figure out ways to be more generous. Continue to figure out ways to be more generous. It's not something that we do. It's just who we are. It's just who we are. All right. Can we pray?